you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Season with Peter Schrager is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. What's up, everybody? It's playoff time. It's Super Wild Card Weekend. That's what they're calling it now at the NFL. Super Wild Card Weekend. I feel like it's the... Uh, what, Jason, what was it called when we were kids in New Jersey? It was uh, Raceway Park. You know, it was like, the, that's what, Super Wild Card Weekend. Um, I'm Peter Schrager. This is the season with Peter Schrager, and we are now into the playoffs, and I'm already so fired up for the week uh, that is ahead in football. We're going to get to the games, but... Uh, I want to start going through some coaching stuff. I've got really close relationships with a lot of these guys, and I want to empty the bag, and I haven't done it on Good Morning Football. It's Tuesday. This is fluid, of course, but let's let's get to the big ones. Uh, start with Sean Payton. He was great last week on the podcast. We got a lot of great feedback. Made a little news with him saying stuff about New Orleans, and he's not looking to go back there. And then also uh, the Brady history with him, and that they're most likely to work together at Fox as opposed to somewhere else. Then on Sunday, uh, I was on Fox NFL kickoff with him, and uh, our great producers there were like, that was a good podcast you did with him. Why don't we reenact that and ask him things more up to date because there was news overnight, and we did. Uh, but I'll go to Saturday night. Sean Payton, Carissa Thompson, and I went to dinner in Los Angeles. Um, the three of us had a nice long dinner, and we just chatted about life, careers, and then Sean Payton. And that was the topic. And I, I think it's really interesting where he's at in his life. He's really happy at Fox Sports. And I know you, you roll your eyes. Okay, really happy. And money's not an issue. He's gotten paid. So when you have money is not an issue, and you're really happy, and you're living in Manhattan Beach, uh, and living a life where he literally was saying us last week, he walks the dog. He plays golf, and then he still gets to be a part of a team on the weekends. It's really appealing to stay, especially at Fox, where there's like a culture of, you know, they treat uh, they treat their guys really good, and Sean Payton is treated really well there. Um, he's loved, and he knows he's got that as a fallback. So, what would it take for him to go? Uh, the appeal of returning to coaching, as he said, with that great NASCAR analogy, he's he's outside the stadium, he hears the buzz, he's know he's going to come back. It's just when. Um, here are things that I think matter. I don't think the money is paramount. I think situation, I think comfort, I think his ability uh, to do things his way and to be able to compete with the guys around him that he wants. So I do think that he wants to bring his own defensive coordinator. I don't think I'm speaking out of turn that I think he'd want to bring some of his front office guys. Not saying he would fire a GM that's already there, but I think he would want some of his guys. And he's got a lot of years of experience working in organizations and people he trusts and he would want to bring them. One thing I think is really important. I don't think quarterback is like this end all be all for Sean. We talked about it. I said Russell Wilson's name on Sunday and he didn't shudder. He didn't. And his point was they didn't have a quarterback in new Orleans and he got there and no one wanted drew Brees. And yeah, that might've been 
lightning in a bottle. But guess what? Drew Brees went down. Teddy Bridgewater went 5-0 and for the Saints a couple years ago, and they went to the playoffs. Um, last year, Jameis Winston went down. They had a rotating door of Taysom Hill, of Ian Book, of Trevor Simeon. Guess what? They were in it till week 18 when they were finally eliminated at the end. Like, I don't think Sean looks at the quarterback position as the end-all, be-all, and he's never had a Justin Herbert or a Josh Allen. He's never had one of those guys. But I honestly look at the availability uh, of Sean Payton and also the matches that he would make. Like, Denver's got to be appealing. Owners that are willing to spend money on the team. Forget his salary, the team. I don't know if you guys saw this. Week 18, already eliminated, they put $400,000 into the field for just week 18 in Denver to make sure the playing surface was its was was up to snuff. Um, not every team does that. That's a real commitment to winning, and that's putting your money where your mouth is. I think that's appealing. I think working for uh, a, a, an owner that wants to win that badly or wants to put the best product on the field is something that is appealing. Uh, I haven't heard of any other teams reach out to the Saints to, to get – the permission to speak to Sean, but I would imagine of the different vacancies, I would think Arizona. I don't know if he's going to go to Arizona. That's so many question marks there, especially with the fact that uh, you know you also have to build from the bottom and there's a quarterback that you're married to for all that time that he doesn't know in Kyler Murray. So let's say Arizona's one. Houston, all those draft picks, they have the second and the 12th pick. They have an empty uh, quarterback position. The negatives are... The Houston Texans franchise has been more abundant the last few years, and you'd have to really build that thing from the bottom up. But it's no worse than what New Orleans was in when he got there. And the last one's Carolina. And I think a very important point that he made on Fox with me on Sunday with Sean Payton was, it's okay. I will coach in the division, and I think the Saints would trade me within the division if the if the compensation is right. And he cited that Bill Parcells went from the Patriots to the Jets. He cited that Bill Belichick went from uh, temporarily with the Jets to the Patriots. There have been interdivision trades before of coaches. It has been done. And it seemed from his indication on Fox Sunday that, I don't know if he's had conversations with Mickey Loomis, but they'd at least be listening to what Carolina had to offer. You look at all those destinations right now, and I could be missing one. Am I missing one of them? That's Colts? a current vacancy. Oh, Indianapolis. I don't see Indianapolis. I'm just dismissing that. I just I don't I don't think Sean would I don't know. That just seems like a different kind of deal. Um, thank you for that, Aaron. I forgot the Colts. Right now, as of Tuesday morning, the Cardinals and the Panthers and the Texans have not asked or have gotten permission from the Saints to speak with Sean Payton. Only Denver has. But I think all four of those are in play. But here's the wild card. And again, I talk all the time with Payton. He has not told me this straight out. But I know his history. I know his relationship with that city where he lived for many years and coached. If the Dallas job opens up, I think that's the front runner. That would that would take a lot. That would take McCarthy having a colossal failure on Monday. I think it would take a, a lot. And again, I'm not speaking on behalf of Sean Payton. I just think all these other options you can be convinced on. You can you can twist your mind. Dallas, it's like, all right, former Cowboys offensive coordinator. Great relationship with Jerry Jones. Lived in Dallas. Raised his kids in Dallas. Um, certainly something to watch. All right. One Sean down. How about the next Sean? McVeigh. Everyone's asking me about McVeigh. I spoke with him yesterday. Anyone who tells you that this is a decision has been made is a crook and a liar because it hasn't. As of Tuesday, Sean McVeigh, not fickle, but certainly not someone who's got to take yet right now. And I knew this for a couple weeks, and the Rams knew this for a couple weeks. He's burnt out. We talked about it. Um, 
You want to go through the field stuff? Well, yeah, on the coaching field, he has had nonstop since 2017, just, you know, pedal to the metal, got the Super Bowl. And you'd think that this would be this great, like, feeling of of joy and, all right, I've accomplished something. He's not wired that way, so it was right back to work, and there really was no time off. And I think that these injuries, you know, all coming at the same time, and then him trying to muster the same sort of energy and same sort of zest that he had the year before this year was difficult, and he's turned that inward. This is real like psychology stuff that we're talking about now. This is real mental health stuff. These are the conversations they didn't have when Parcells walked away from the Giants or when we've seen countless coaches leave at their peak and then maybe hint to come back. The burnout factor is really strong with Sean. The question is, is he so burnt out that he needs time away? Here's how I would envision if he was to step away going. I think I'm fine saying this, and this is why they pay me on a podcast. Uh, You know, They want stuff that's different than just what I've said everywhere else. So here we go. The plan that I would see, and this is talking to multiple sources within the Rams and with Sean, that makes the most sense if he were to walk away was, goes away, he's still involved with the team in some capacity, whether that be assisting with the draft or popping in here and there, but he would have conversations with the Rams and how that would go. And they do hire either an interim coach from internal, which would be like a Raheem Morris or someone like that, or they hire an external coach who's willing, going in, knowing this might just be a one-year deal. Now, look, it might be forever. McVay might never come back. But I think the expectation is that he eventually would come back and just need some time away. Whether that's one season, two seasons, I don't know. But that one season would give a coach who might not get a head coaching opportunity elsewhere the opportunity to show his chops. That might give a coach that doesn't necessarily have the name um, that that other coaches in the league already have who are interviewing, give them a chance to, to put them on the radar. I would imagine the coaching hire would be inspired and would have input from not only Sean McVay, um, but from a lot of different people within the Rams organization. Could be internal, could be external, could be someone who's used to work for the Rams and is now somewhere else and is looking to get back with the Rams. Um, but I think no matter what, if Sean takes a year away or he stays, that important period right now before the draft is going to be spent on mental health, spent on recharging the batteries, and spent on reprioritizing what he wants to do. And this guy's only 36. He has no kids, but he's got a lot of responsibilities within that building and also a lot of stuff that's been going on in his life. I I don't think he would mind me sharing that um, his grandfather was his mentor. His grandfather was his beacon uh, as far as football goes. And his grandfather's passing uh, was not sudden, but was something that really affected him. I also think his wife's family, many of whom are in Ukraine right now, the uh, handling of how do you manage that on a day-to-day basis, that's not a one-week thing, that is an ongoing thing. And the toll that that has taken on not only uh, his wife Veronica's family, but his, his own being and every day, you know, having to try to get the good news coming there and whether that's coming or not and what he can do to help and how to be a better husband and better family member, all that stuff is real. Uh, and there's a lot of other little things, paper cuts along the way that would add up. But the truth of the matter is he has been nonstop football 24-7 since he got the job in 2016. And you could say all these guys are, but I think that he has enough self-awareness to know. And the flip side is he also has enough self-awareness to know the longer this drags on, uh, the more this puts other coaches in a bad position looking for jobs, or this puts his players in a weird position knowing whether they want to come back to the Rams or not. And it puts the team in a tough position. So I would imagine before the Super Bowl or Combine, we'll have a better ideal, but I don't think he's going to make a decision in the next couple of days. 
That's the McVeigh deal. Lastly, Kingsbury. Spoke to him for about an hour yesterday. Again, I don't think I'm betraying his confidence in me telling you this. Said it was actually a really good conversation with Bidwill. Uh, Mr. Bidwill came in and like they had a really emotional farewell. Like Bidwill and Cliff really got along, and Cliff really liked Bidwill. <laughs> um, four and thirteen was just not the season that the Cardinals expected, and someone has to pay for that. And it looks like it's going to be the head coach. But I thought Bidwill's comments were classy afterwards. He said. Uh, you know, no one works harder. I've never been around a harder working coach. Again, same thing. And I'm not saying it's because Cliff is single and you know doesn't have a wife and doesn't have a family and that this is like what his But Kingsbury lived at the Arizona Cardinals building. And you might say, well, well how they only win four games? Let's just go real quick through this thing. The quarterback gets the injury. He goes down. You know, they were making things work with Colt McCoy for a while. He goes down. They go to Mexico City. The offensive line coach gets in some some drama there. They get back. The GM, uh, you know, takes a leave of absence, and that leave of absence ended up being for the rest of the season. And eventually, that's that for him. So you're talking about no offensive line coach, no quarterback, no GM. And, you know, Kingsbury didn't say a word. He didn't once, you know, say, wait, wait a second, this is not fair or, or make excuses. He just kind of ate it and he'll eat it. And guess what? He'll eat guaranteed paychecks for the next five years. This is the part I think people don't even know when I talk about the NFL coaching situation. The contracts are guaranteed. So in one way, talking to Cliff yesterday, there was this feeling of, you know, we didn't get it done. And also I feel bad for my assistant coaches because, you know, that's all... They, they have to uproot their lives. But on the other end of it is, I didn't ask to get fired. I didn't quit. And now I get five years of guaranteed paychecks until 2027. That means every two weeks, a direct deposit hits and it comes from the Arizona Cardinals until 2027. Uh, he's very quick to say, don't cry for me. I'll be all right. And he's going to do his, his best to make sure those assistant coaches land somewhere on new staffs. He, he's not doing anything until those guys all find their footing somewhere. Uh, but Kingsbury, I don't think he's rushing to get back to coaching. Everyone's talking about him going to the Patriots, being an offensive coordinator. I don't see that. I think he's going to take some time. It's been a grueling 12 months for him. Uh, and he's getting paid out. So it's a paid vacation. He's going to use it and he'll assess what he wants to do next. Contract-wise, it's interesting. In his deal, there's offset language. So say he was to go and... We'll, Aaron, give me any NFL team that needs an offensive coordinator. They might want an offensive coordinator. You just name any team, really. Indianapolis Colts. Okay. So say the Colts, they hire, um, you know, whoever. They hire Harbaugh as their coach. I'm just putting that out there. And Harbaugh hires Kingsbury as offensive coordinator. And money-wise, let's say, I don't know what Cliff was making. Let's say Cliff was making $3 million with the Cardinals. All right. And let's say the Colts say, we'll give you $1 million to be our offensive coordinator. The Cardinals still have to pay them the $2 million. It offsets. So it's, it's subtracted from what you're making uh, with that team. And then you get that money left over. So even if he was to take you know, $500,000 to be an offensive, line co or offensive coordinator or a quarterback coach, the Cardinals have to then eat the rest of that cost. It's it's wild, you know. A lot of people are like, "Why isn't Adam Gase?" We even heard from Adam Gase. Adam Gase was doing that with two teams, with the Jets and Dolphins. Like, it's it's the truth. Like, Adam Gase was making a lot of money the last few years, and it's just what it is. When you're a fired head coach, you're going to be okay financially. When you're a fired offensive coordinator or a fired offensive line coach, right, it's not the same. You're not making the same money, and some of those contracts aren't as guaranteed. But uh, Kingsbury's going to be all right. I don't know about that job, and I really like the Cardinals 
organization. I think Bidwell is a good man and I think he wants to win. And look, he's eaten these costs. He knows how much it costs to fire Cliff is a real bold move because you're ripping off the Band-Aid. But the fans wanted it and it was time to start anew. But you got to find a GM, got to find a coach. Kyler's probably not ready for the start of the season. And you're looking at a roster that has, you know, DeAndre Hopkins probably at a different stage of his career than he was. You're looking around, you're like, all right, we got two linebackers the last couple drafts and Zayvon Collins and and uh, Isaiah Simmons who haven't really developed in the way that you'd expect first-round players to do. Like, I, I don't see what's there. So, again, true rebuild, great place to live, Arizona, low-pressure market. So you kind of like that if you're a coach, knowing that it's you're going to have some time to at least get your footing. But between... Indianapolis, Houston, Arizona, Denver, Carolina. Um, it'll be interesting over the next few days. The one name I would mention, and we haven't had him on the podcast yet, and I kind of regret not getting him on, that I think he's going to be a head coach, is Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator of the Lions. Um, I'm just hearing a lot of good things. And I think the way that they came out and performed uh, Sunday against the Packers in a game that they were technically eliminated from and then giving it their all to Green Bay – I, how about this? I'd be very surprised if Ben Johnson isn't a head coach. And I know people want to say, well, what about this guy? What about that guy? I'm, I'm not, look, I'm not weighing in on anything about other guys. I'd be surprised if 36-year-old offensive coordinator, math major in college, played quarterback at North Carolina, like you, you clicked, and then was with the Dolphins and Dan Campbell got him here in, uh, of course, in, in Detroit, and he's been outstanding and creative and is a communicator. So not a household name, but I'd say if we're doing this at Super Bowl week, I would be surprised if Ben Johnson wasn't a quarterback. Guys, we've got a sponsor to the season with Peter Schrager. I'm told that's great news. Uh, and it's DraftKings, who I've been partners with for many years uh, through the NFL Network and Good Morning Football. Let's get into the playoff preview presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm going to focus on one game, and that is Seattle and San Francisco. Right now, we're looking at the point spread as the 49ers are 10-point favorites. The over-under is 42-and-a-half. And if you want to be real bold, the money line is uh, plus 400 for Seattle and minus 500 for San Francisco. I'm going to focus on one player and one player only, and that is Brock Purdy. I, I went on Good Morning Football on, on Tuesday morning of this week, and I said that Brock Purdy should be the Offensive Rookie of the Year. And I got scoffed. I got laughed at. Jason McCurdy almost threw a pen at me because you know Brock Purdy's played five games. But I think what Brock Purdy has done over the last five weeks is as impressive as anything that any rookie has done over the whole entire 17-game season. Purdy came in in the most adverse of situations, thrown into the mix as the Mr. Irrelevant, last pick in the draft, and not only has exceeded his expectations, he's been better than Trey Lance, he's been better than Jimmy Garoppolo, and he has the 49ers offense playing its best football of the year. I know this is division rivalry. I know that Seattle and, and San Francisco has a ton, a ton of history. I also know that San Francisco is likely going to wax the Seahawks this weekend. No Jordan Brooks on the defensive side for Seattle. Brock Purdy getting more and more confidence as the week goes on. And I think Brock Purdy is a strength, not a weakness for the San Francisco 49ers. You're going to see a lot of analysis this week saying, well, it's Brock Purdy's inexperience going into 
How many rookies do the Seahawks have? They have two rookies at offensive tackle. They've got Kenneth Walker. They've got Tariq Wollen. They've got Boye Mafe. Uh, Geno Smith isn't exactly Tom Brady with his playoff experience. And I think that San Francisco is going to be rocking uh, early Saturday. Fans are going to come out in droves. I love the Seahawks fan base. If this game was being played in Seattle like it was a few Thursday nights ago, maybe I say Seattle has a shot. But uh, I might regret this decision and being so blunt about this. I think the 49ers take care of business, and I think Brock Purdy has a day. That was the playoff preview presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code THESEASON. Type that in, the season. New customers can bet $5 on Super Wildcard Weekend and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code, the season. 21 and over in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. Void in Ohio and Ontario. Bonus issued as free bets. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. 10 plus leg requirement for 100% boost. Deposit parlay and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. I wanted to put all this in a separate podcast than my guest uh, for this week. So this is part one. We're going to title it, I think, Two Sean's, A Cliff, and a Bunch of Coaching Vacancies. I like that, Aaron. Does that work? Does that sound good? Yeah, he's nodding. Uh, all right. Uh, Part two is going to be an awesome interview with uh, one of my favorite people in the world. Stay on the feed. Uh, Brandon Bean is going to take us through the last week he has had. He's the GM of the Buffalo Bills. Thanks for listening, everybody. Click on part two coming up right now. The Season with Peter Schrager is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.